Hey everybody, welcome to episode 21 of the Mendoza Line. My name is Cam, and I'm joined by Nick. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good tonight, Cam. How are you? Uh, I'm doing alright, but we're going to start the show off on an absolutely uh, terrible note. Um, we both awoke this morning to the news that Miami, Miami Marlins ace, Jose Fernandez, was found dead this morning, along with two other gentlemen, uh, in a one-boat accident in uh, just off Miami Beach um, early this morning. So um, we're going to talk about that for a while, but um, just not, not, just terrible news, honestly. He was 24 years old. Yeah, just heartbreaking, really, in the sense of just uh, as a person, everything that I've heard and read about him since he came up three years ago as a 20, you know, 20 year old, uh, jumped from high A to the majors, made the team out of spring training, which is pretty unheard of and pretty much dominated, uh, from day one, you know, as a baseball player. But even outside of that, this was a guy that, um, every, you could just tell he was a, you know, a kid in a sense of, really enjoyed playing the game of baseball always seemed to always have a smile on his face has a pretty amazing story um, of how he came over defected from Cuba when he was a teenager um, spent some time in jail a human jail uh, for that uh, failed attempt and ended up de- defecting anyways but just that incredible story about even coming over here and then just knowing him as a person you know people have been just an out, outpouring there, just um, love for him and just just utter shock and you just cannot like ever expect like something nice to happen. Just so young, so dominant, such a bright future to have a win like this. It's just extremely unfortunate and yeah, I was just it's still pretty shocking. Um, I don't think it's really sunk in personally that he's gone. Yeah, so I. I get this is a baseball show and it's really sad that someone that was so young and so talented died in such tragic circumstances. Um, and, and I don't want to take anything away from the impact he had on baseball in such a short you know amount of time and what people, you know, uh, what, what, what could have been for him if he had, you know, been blessed with a long career, what he could have accomplished. Um, but I think that we would be uh, remiss if we didn't just talk about it from a life perspective. And mm-hmm. just, you know, he, like we said, he's 24. He's already, you know, he defected from Cuba, multiple attempts, finally got here. Uh, you mentioned beforehand while we were prepping for the show that he saved his mom from drowning in one of their attempts to get to America. So this is clearly uh, a young man that has lived you know uh has much more uh, experience with with mm-hmm. um the downside of life than than you or I I think would would um claim and uh i think it's important in uh the current um soci- social climate in america where um so much is being made of um, Black Lives Matter and what Colin Kaepernick is doing and all the other athletes that are backing him by protesting the national anthem about the value of life. Um, that 
mm-hmm. when something happens to a young man like this that isn't a murder, it's not an, uh, an abuse of justice, it's just a genuine accident, as tragic as it is, um, I think the value of life is worth discussing. And that's that's kind of what I have been chewing over in my mind today um, about, you know, he went through so much at such such a young age to get here only to wind up in a in a tragic situation like this. And I think it's important in the midst of our discussion of, of what he what he meant to baseball, what he meant to the Marlins, what he meant to his family, um, the future he was providing for them by being such a, a stellar young pitcher. Uh, I don't want to get to get lost in that, this idea of life is precious. And even in a situation like this where him and two other friends were just out enjoying themselves, not doing anything wrong, um, even in that decent, you know, or even good situation, something can just, you know, can just end it right then. And I think that's something that in America we tend to shy away from, in my experience anyways. No, I think that's that's a good point. I I'm guilty of this uh, this you know not being around death much. You just don't really think about it. Life kind of goes on. You just expect you know you innocence expect you know Fernandez to make his last start here in a couple of days. And when something like this happens so out of the blue, and like you said, in the context of our society right now, where there's just you know, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration from, you know, differing viewpoints and uh, just so many other things to have something like this happen, you know, where you're like, there's just no apparent reason or there's no justification there. It's like, they weren't, they weren't being negligent from what I, you know, from what I've read so far, they, there's just this something that happened and you just, you wonder why, um, yeah, like this, what it, you know, he is expecting a child like that just came out about a week ago. Um, just such a great guy for something like this to happen. It's just heartbreaking. You know, the entire, I think it speaks a lot to him, the entire Marlins team, they canceled the game today, but the entire Marlins team came to the press conference and, you know, several people are just having a hard time holding it together. And those are the people that spent every day with him, you know, for the last six months. Um, you know, I just can't imagine what it's going to be like this last week to have to play their last set of games uh, with that loss kind of hanging over their heads. But just, in, yeah, just in life, like what a what a tragedy. And, I mean, there are so many. He's, this is just one person that's drawing a lot of attention because he's such a public figure. But... I mean, there's tragedies like this every single day here and, uh, you know, all over the world. Um, It's very sobering and, you know, sports are a great platform for, you know, kind of getting away from the the world every now and then, you know, enjoying something outside of the the day-to-day. But when it hits like this, I think, you know, hopefully it's a wake-up call to everyone, Um, just the need to take it day by day to in, enjoy what you've been given in life. Um, love those who you, you know, are with and your loved ones. Um, and, and yeah, just enjoy every single day and cause we're not promised, you know, tomorrow.
Yeah, I think one of the reasons, and I and I think you you pointed out here that when a when a tragedy like this happens to an athlete, one of the reasons that it it you know grabs the headlines and and hits so many people so hard is because as you said, like sports is a is a, I don't want to use the term escape, but it is certainly uh, something that provides a uh, value of this is what life could be. Um, I, I think people enjoy sport because it gives them something outside of their everyday lives to to grasp onto, to believe in, to cheer for, mm-hmm. to be a part of. And part of that can be an escape from the rigors and tragedy of just life and living um, and dying, frankly. And so when a death like this happens um, to someone who we all can... I, can deem too young it it kind of jars that balance of life and sport in a way that we're not used to and that we don't like because it reminds us of yeah these guys are just like me they you know they can die in just the same way that I can and and so I think one of the reasons why it's easy for the media and for fans to latch on to say Jose's death in this instance as opposed to the countless 24-year-olds that die across the planet every day in equally tragic circumstances is simply because sport holds this unique place in many of our lives. And so when, when, when sport crosses over with the reality of, of life and death, that's when you get that sobering moment of, Oh my gosh, like this really is, uh, or really can happen to anybody. And I think to me, that's the biggest, um, sort of like, um, punch to the gut is, yeah, this, I mean, it, it could have been me. Now, I don't live in Miami, but I've spent many, 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 many months on boats growing up. It could have been me even at an even younger age. And, and you know, and by the grace of God, you know, it wasn't. But it, it just, yeah, it's it's very, um, I think sobering is the right word that you used. It's It's just, it's sad. And it's just proof that you just never know. You just never know. Yeah, you don't, um, and I mean, I, I always, in these situations, you know, I've been fortunate enough to not have to deal with a ton of, um, death, you know, with people that are really close to me, um, but in these situations, like, I am very thankful for my faith and, um, the hope that, um, there's, you know, something greater than this world. Cause I know, you know, you, you look around right now and there's not a, a lot to be optimistic about. Um, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of death and, you know, people just being really hateful and, uh, feeling despair. So I think this is one of those times where yeah, you really celebrate his life for who he was. And I've seen a ton of articles about him and, um, just his story about, um, you know, his family and, you know, the guy jumped in pitch black waters when they were coming over to America in a raft because uh, his mom fell in. You know that's so extremely, you know, dangerous. And but he saved his mom and just the the type of guy that he was and universally beloved. And you know, I think at this moment you just celebrate his life for who he was and um, just a reminder on like we've been talking about of you know we're not promised tomorrow. So instead of 
worrying about things that maybe aren't important or treating treating people or situations with contempt maybe you know being patient being kind to one another because we want to leave that legacy that um you know whenever we it's our time that we're known as people who cared and um sought after the the valuable things and yeah where people can look back fondly and that we actually have close friends yeah because we spent time caring for people so but yeah i mean still like there's there's gonna be need need to be time for grieving uh for those that are around him and just for just for us i mean that um got to you know follow him and maybe didn't know him personally but yeah a chance to grieve as well so but yeah it's just terrible 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 situation and so unfortunate yeah um i i don't know any way to segue from that into other baseball news other than to just say let's take a look at the playoffs standings as as they are and uh we'll we'll try and um we'll try and just you know honor honor the the season of baseball that has gone on and and uh do that respectfully yeah i think um a few people have kind of, you know, that knew him well, you know, they're asked if, you know, they wanted to play today and, you know, they, they responded and they, they played. I think Yasuo Puig was one, um, a couple of people that knew him well, and they just said, that's what, you know, that's what Jose would want them to do is go out and play and have fun. Cause that's what he did. Um, so yeah, it, it's tough. <laughs> it's always tough to make that transition um, because, you know, what we're talking about seems so trivial in the grand scheme of things. But, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll attempt to do that. But, yeah, it's hard to believe we have a, a week left of the season. You know, most teams only have six or seven games left, and then by next Sunday the season will be over, the regular season at least. Yeah, hard to believe. So yeah, let's go through that, um, and then we we kind of talked earlier. We're I think for next week's show, we'll uh, we'll obviously recap where we ended up, do a little bit of a a playoff preview once we kind of see who's in and the pitching mashups for the wild card games, and then also we uh, we can give out some awards. Do you want to make yes? The- the announcement. The announcement. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The first ever Mendozi's award show will happen in our next episode, and I'm very excited. I feel like we should wear a suit and tie, just you know, even though we can't see each other, just to make sure that you know, you know, dress well, play well, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a very important occasion. But yeah, we want to acknowledge. You know, we made some picks at the beginning of the year, but now that we've actually had an actual season give out some awards for you know players that had great seasons uh, produced uh, well for their teams and also I think we'll have a few um, not so good awards since the Mendoza <laughs> line celebrates below averageness we uh, will have uh, a couple awards very very 
Very, very below averageness. Just just getting by. We'll have a award or two for some players who really just stunk it up this season. <laughs> Should be fun. So, yeah, looking forward to uh, looking forward to that, and also to see how wrong we were. You know, we we revisited that a few times, but I think it's going to be comically funny on a few things. But those standings, should we look at them? Yes, we definitely should. So there's been been quite a bit of movement um, and tightening, uh, loosening, and the division division races seem pretty much locked down. Even the AL East in the last couple weeks, as there's been a yeah. time separation there with the Red Sox winning 11 straight. That that'll uh, that'll clinch you a spot right there, 11 straight. That's pretty darn good. Yep. So. Division winners, the Red Sox in the East. Um, well, not not technically. Not technically, but... They have a playoff berth, but yeah, I mean, unless they go 0 for their final games, then they're, they're not guaranteed, but they're pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, I guess there have been some epic collapses in the day. But I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they're going to win the division, but... Yeah, to be fair, it's not done yet. <clears throat> so the Red Sox in the East, which I think I picked them in the beginning of the season. I'll have to look back on that. Yeah, I picked the Yankees, so. <laughs> which that, they, Whoops. <laughs> they made a bit of a push there at the end, but yeah, that's pretty much done. Indians in the Central got a seven-game lead. Yeah. Not official yet, but they're gonna. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. I think their magic number is two because they, the Tigers and the Indians, both lost today. So I don't think that changes anything. So it's just um, a matter of time before that division's officially theirs. Yep. Rangers wrapped up the West. Uh, pretty convincingly, uh, that one is official. They've got a nine and a half game lead over the Mariners. Yeah, the Astros just never. Uh, Never made it over that hump of the slow start uh, like I thought they were going to. Um, and credit Texas with um, their, they have a phenomenal record this year in 1-1 games because they only have a plus 11 point differential and they have given up uh, a ton of runs this year. So the, yeah, the Rangers are near the bottom of the league so they are yeah in the bottom third there's only one two three four seven teams worse that have given them more runs than them and all those teams the diamondbacks twins rockies reds braves phillies padres are all at the bottom of the standings so it's pretty incredible uh just kind of how you know some would argue lucky they've been in those close games and, you know, a team with a plus 11 run differential uh, should not be as many games over as they are. So they're 92 and 64. So 28, I think 28 games over 500. Pretty incredible there. So maybe not the most powerhouse team in the in the playoffs right now. But as we've seen, it doesn't really matter. You just got to get in. 
Yeah, that that eleven plus eleven run differential is uh, shockingly um, not the norm. Because if if you look at the other division leading teams, the Red Sox are plus one ninety two, the Indians are plus one hundred four, the Nationals are plus one fifty nine, the Cubs, oh my lord in heaven, are plus two hundred and thirty eight, and the Dodgers are plus one hundred four. So the Rangers are even in their own division are the third best team in point differential. Yeah, it's I mean, just it just does not, not like if you were to throw it on a graph, they would be the drastic outlier of what the trend is among division winners, but by, by like by almost a factor of ten, which is crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible what they're doing and extremely you know, extremely lucky. I think, you know, there is some skill in um, winning those run-run games. I think you, it's part of having a good bullpen, keeping those close, but there, I think there's a lot of luck in that too. So, um, yeah, they are 36-11 and 11 in one-run games. Jeez. So that is, you know, you just think about the margin of error there. Pretty much everyone else... Um, Seattle's 28 and 28 one run games. Houston's 28 and 24. Their Red Sox are 20 and 22. Blue Jays are 19 and 24. So a lot of a lot of teams. Detroit is actually 26 and 16. But you kind of look at the the other playoff contenders. Most of them are right at 500 or below. Um, the Indians are 27 and 21. But to be 36 and 11 in one run games, that is, that's living lucky with Lady Charm. So, and they, I mean, they don't really have, you know, you think about having a dominant bullpen that you get that lead and hold it. It's, they don't really have that. So, I don't know. It's an interesting note but i don't think it means a ton uh in the playoffs but it definitely i think it serves a good reminder uh, barring a you know a ton of additions this off season that the al west is still going to be up for grabs next year because I don't, I don't expect them to be 36 and 11 and one run games again next year <laughs> i i would i would bet not all right so in the national league um, I already kind of spoiled who the division leaders are there, but I don't think it really comes as a surprise in the East or the Central who the winners are. They've, no, they've I, pretty I, much been in first place since the beginning of the year. Have have both teams run the table, or have? am I wrong in that? I feel like they both have. You know, at least after the first week or so, I don't know, like the first couple of days how it looked, but I they've, you know since early April, at least, have been in first place. Well, the reason I I think the Nationals have is because from the very beginning, you've been ragging on them, saying they're they're only beating bad teams, they're only beating bad teams, and they have 91 wins. Um... And I have to imagine at some point they played a decent team, and maybe that was part <laughs> of their maybe that was part of their sixty four losses. Um, but I just I distinctly remember, and as you said, it might not have been from day one, but like from day six onwards, I distinctly remember the Nationals and the Cubs just 
throttling their competition. Yeah, they they started out nine and one, so they they lost their third game of the year. So the worst record they they were only two and one at one point, but then after that they so they they were I think they were wire to wire. Um, I'm checking on the Cubs now too, but I'm pretty sure they. Yeah, they, I mean, they've just been ridiculous the whole year, and they've never really stopped. They they had a little bump in the road. Yeah, they started off 8-1. and one. They lost their fourth game. But they are, they've been incredible. The Reds are three. They just finished, or they play, they play them three more times at the end of the year, but they just played them up in Wrigley this beginning of this week and got swept pretty convincingly. So we are th- we were three and thirteen against them, and two of our three wins came in a series right before the All Star break, where they were they were kind of that's when they hit their bump in the road. They were really lackluster, and I I can't believe we won two games up there. But yeah, we've only won one game against them at home the entire year, which is pretty incredible since we have played them sixteen times. But they have a a comfortable seventeen game lead over the second place. Cardinals. It's it's pretty amazing. They've had they've had the division clinched for a solid two weeks now. It seems <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, they clinched home field advantage a couple of days ago. So they they kind of are going to be able to yep. set up their rotation and get everything set up before. So the World Series goes through Chicago, is what you're saying? Yep. They. I mean, they will have home field advantage, but I don't know. It's not always. Because they they play on Sunday, and I don't think their playoff series starts until Thursday or Friday. Because of the wildcard games are Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. So sometimes it's a disadvantage to not play for four days. So, I mean, it's the Cubs. I think they'll rebound because they're going to play whoever they play. I I guess the Cardinals and that Devil Magic that they have could always start playing well but none of the the Mets Cardinals and Giants have the second half they've pretty much collapsed in the second half they had one of the best records in baseball at the break and now they're only eight games over and none of those teams really scare you outside of maybe the Mets when they have Syndergaard going and the Giants when they have Bumgarner because Cueto's dealing with an injury now and I don't know how healthy he's going to be in the postseason. But yeah, the it's pretty much set that the Dodgers are going to play the Nationals in the first round. So that should be a pretty entertaining series. Um, not to get too far ahead, but I think uh, any one of a Cubs versus Nationals or Dodgers and LCS would be pretty pretty entertaining. Yeah, I, I think that would be a perfect opportunity for... Bryce Harper to continue his uh, villain of baseball role before he becomes a Yankee. Because you got to know everyone will be rooting for the Cubs. Because yeah, of the, pretty much the, except for Cardinals fans. Exactly. Or in White Sox fans, just because they're bitter. But uh, the Are there any White Sox fans that aren't like Cubs fans when the Cubs fans are good? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy that I uh, have the master class and it's a trap with, Mr. David Hope, oh, yeah. is a huge White Sox fan, and he his disdain for the Cubs is biblical, I will say. <laughs> I guess, especially those that live outside of Chicago. Everyone and I that I know in Chicago is, I don't know, they're kind of, I feel like they're both in the, you know, when the White Sox, I think we've talked about this, when the White Sox won the World Series when we were in college, they were, they seemed to be everywhere on Taylor's campus. Well, they're all suburban. They're all, you know, upper middle class white suburban kids, so they're going to pick whoever they want to pick. Just a side note, it's, I've, I've never really thought about how it's weird to hate a team that's in your city, you know? To like, I guess I've never had that problem of having two teams in one city, but I've kind of, I've kind of always rooted for my local teams. So it would be weird to to hate a local team in my area. Well, but. yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and, and obviously I come from a, a bigger, you know, city than you do. But what I find, what I find interesting in uh, between our situations is that like all of the teams that I root for, are in Detroit. Even the University of Michigan is 40 minutes from the city. Um, but you, based on where you grew up, uh, your affiliations, depending on sport, mm-hmm. are different. And it's it's because, so in football, is it okay if I tell them who you root for? Yeah. Yeah, Nick is a diehard Indianapolis Colts fan. And you grew up what, like an hour from Indy? A little over an hour, yeah. Yeah, and so Indianapolis offers uh, professionally football and basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no baseball or hockey. And right. Well, there's a, there's minor league hockey, the Indianapolis Ice, which sounds like a cheap beer. But uh, So your, base, <laughs> your baseball affiliations, you wound up with Cincinnati, and I believe that was mainly because of your dad and his family, right? Being Reds right. fans. They and now are, Cincinnati's not terribly far. That's what, like two and a half hours, three hours. It was two because we lived in East Central Indiana. Yeah, so it's not close a far drive. Border. So Chicago was like a four-hour drive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we and I was I definitely grew up to not like Chicago teams because that's when you know that was there when Michael Jordan was winning championships and the Pacers were good, but. We just couldn't, could never beat the Bulls. And then there's always, you know, the Bears rivalry. So, yeah, we, we grew up hating Chicago. So, while you didn't grow up having the option of, you know, two football teams in the same town to choose from, you did have the, um, the, uh, what's the term I'm looking for here? Uh, you had, teams based on sports based in different cities. Right. So the Cincinnati Reds versus the Indianapolis Colts. And then later on in life when, you know, we met in college and and some of our other friends, uh you became a Red Wings fan in Detroit. Yeah, I uh, actually started liking hockey. It, you saw the light, Jesus saved you and you believe that hockey was a sport. Yes. This is all mm-hmm. very true. Um and so you but you're not I, the only I one still of our friends. I still contend that playoff hockey is like the best thing ever. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Um but you're not the only friend I have that is in this 
to me, unusual situation. Uh, some of her other friends, um, you know, uh, will root for a Detroit or a Chicago team based on the sport, which I think is insane. Or will root for Detroit teams, but then in college roots for Ohio State. I, I don't understand why they do these things. Because mm-hmm. where I grew up, there was one option, Detroit everything. Uh, and But my wife and her family, they all grew up in uh, just south of Chicago. And so... You've got in the family, everyone's a Blackhawks fan, everyone's a Bulls fan, everyone's a Bears fan, but you have Cubs and White Sox fans, depending, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that to me has always been, as you said, just such a bizarre, like, you're. why would you root for one and not the, they're both from the same city, but, I mean, Cubs and White Sox fans, man, you just, you don't want to cross the, you don't want to cross the streams, as they say. That's but not... they, they probably all like they probably all like the Bears and the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's kind of funny. And the Bulls, so they just have that one in the summer. I guess they hate each other, but every other time of the year they don't. Chicago is a weird city. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought like it would be nice. It'd be this is never gonna happen. But what if the major league? baseball put a team in Indianapolis like like what would happen I feel like I would want them to do well I don't know if I could ever like the Reds would always be the the team I would root for unless they just you know totally didn't deserve it but yeah well I feel like I feel like it's different in cities like New York and LA where you have two basketball teams two or three hockey teams teams. two football I mean you have you've got options in every pot even in even in mls soccer you have multiple options um so yeah i i just feel i feel like it's uh it's a very interesting like hyper local decision in those instances are you a mets or a yankees fan are you a cubs or a Sox fan are you a dodgers or an angels fan or you know what have you um it's it is a very interesting like sort of like uh, sociological um, experiment to see how that all shakes out. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we digress, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, um, the divisions are close to being wrapped up. The wild cards uh, add some some intrigue this last this last week of the season, which is what they are designed for. So the the Tigers. Um, I don't want to talk about it. As of two days ago, we're in the second wild card spot. Mm-hmm. But then they lost the last two of the Royals at home. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Duh, and yeah. didn't they uh, last night? They had the lead, and didn't K Rod give up five in the ninth or something like that? Oh, if that's the case, I definitely don't want to talk about it. I I was unaware <laughs> that that was. I saw the score today, and we were down big, and we came back. We only lost by three, but it was 12-9. to nine. So mm-hmm. clearly our pitching is taking the final games of the season off, <laughs> which is exactly what you want. Yeah, apparently they, they want to go home in a few days. They don't want to keep playing. Yeah, yesterday... Um, they, I, I believe, yeah, K-Rod had a pretty bad ninth inning. So, I mean, the Royals are pretty, they're known to have uh, pretty good comebacks. It's 
they had a couple of big games in the playoffs, but yeah, they they gave up five runs in the top of the ninth yesterday. That, that's crushing. And then to lose today, because the the Orioles had the the luck of playing the Diamondbacks this weekend series, which of course they swept, so that put them back up in the second wild card spot. But um, they're only one game back in the loss loss column, so. All they need to do is take care of business and be one game better than the Orioles this week. And then there's that there's that play-in game that we've been wanting this whole uh, tease. Uh, you've been wanting. I think it's ridiculous. I want it to happen uh, now. But I, I'm pretty sure the Tigers' last three games are well. One of their last series is against the Twins. So like that is my that is my like uh, my last hope. Well, they play they play four against Cleveland. Oh, and, no. and then they play at Atlanta the last Oh, time. that's right. Atlanta. Okay. I knew there was a really awful team in there. I just assumed it was Minnesota. Um, yeah, those four against Cleveland, though, that's going to be our undoing. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's a huge series. And if you're Cleveland, there's probably nothing more you want to do than uh, take a few from the the Tigers. But the Orioles uh, play... At three, at Toronto, and then three at New York. So those are those are not easy games. Yeah, if the Orioles could just lose all their you know next seven games, I'd be okay with that. Well, that um that Orioles Blue Jay series is pretty big too because those are the two wildcard teams. As of now, so Correct. they both need to win. The Blue Jays are a game and a half up, but they can't get swept at home. That would be bad. The Mariners are hanging around too. They're only they're only a game back of the Tigers, and then the Astros are half a game back from them. So bar the barring, a, you know, I mean those you got four teams there, basically five teams for two spots. And we'll see what happens. But thinking the Blue Jays will get in. It'll probably be they'll probably be the first wild card, and then I don't know. I'm rooting for the Tigers. I'm rooting for a one game playoff with the Orioles, <laughs> and then just so you can rant about it on this podcast, and then a one game yeah, playoff after, after with, the Tigers choke with the Blue Jays. All right, National League, let's move on to a team that I'm not emotionally attached to. Yeah. I'm uh I was just looking at the pitching matchups for the series. So tomorrow night is not looking very good for you guys. You got Buck Farmer. Which you guys have a pitcher named Buck Farmer. It's hilarious. <laughs> Going against Corey Corey Kluber. So that oh, that's advantage yeah. Cleveland, but then you got Verlander, Fulmer, and Norris. So that's those are your three. I don't even care. We have someone named Buck Farmer on our team, which I did not know until ten seconds ago. Yeah. So thank you for ruining that for me. Um. Yeah. No, we're done. We're not even making the playoffs. You know, Fulmer is leading the league in ERA as a rookie right now. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, he's pretty good, but we have a guy named Buck Farmer. That's Probably equally is not good. So yeah, in the National League, Mets are game up, uh, but they're tied in the loss column with the Cardinals. 
who are playing right now. Um, it's 0-0 in the fifth. Um, so that'll be, if the Cardinals lose, then they will be tied on the loss column with the Giants, so a half game behind the, the Mets. So those three teams are right next to each other. So that will be, that'll also be interesting. Not as many teams, not as, not as complex as the American League. But you got the Mets who are, they're playing at Miami and at Philadelphia. Um, so you don't, you just have no idea how the, uh, the Marlins are, you know, going to come out and do. Um, so yeah, I can't even imagine. Um, Cardinals have four against the Reds, so that's a pretty big advantage uh, over those other teams. They've got four against the Reds, and then they finish at home against the Pirates. So they got the Pirates and Reds at home, and then the Giants. Man, what a they've had a rough second half, but they got the Rockies, um, Rockies and Dodgers. So I don't know. Yikes! The Dodgers could come out just to keep the Giants out, but I. Yeah, I hate to say it, but my money's on the Cardinals for that second spot based on their remaining schedule. Uh, they could even take over the the first spot. I think. Yeah, that's. I think it. I think it's going to be the Mets and Cardinals. I don't know. I, the Giants. They've got Bumgarner going on Friday. But I don't know. Is this going to be the year that the even year that the Giants don't even make the playoffs? Slash, but yeah. I hope so, <laughs> just so that whole thing goes away. Because that's kind of annoying. But well, hey, you never know. You never know. But hey, there's there's a ton of intrigue. I know a lot of people have been fatigued by the slung season, but now's the time to jump back in it. Watch some games this week. And uh, see how this playoff race unfolds. Agreed. All right. I think that is a great spot to stop, to leave it as a cliffhanger until next week when we come back with our playoff preview and our Mendozies award show that I'm super excited about. Me as well. Looking forward All to right. it. Well, then. Dear listeners, we shall be back next week with a brand new episode. If you want to get in touch in the meantime, which I would encourage you to do because uh, we may not have um, certain categories for awards that you uh, might come up with. We might stick to the traditional uh, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, Worst Player. That You might have more creative awards than, than Nick or I can come up with. And if you want to share your... Uh, Mendozi uh, category suggestions. You can do so on Twitter. You can get Nick at Coatsy C O A T S I E E. <laughs> Two E's. Two E's. Right. Okay. I panicked there and thought there was a third one for a minute. Uh, you can also get me on Twitter at Cam Brennan, or you can email us at uh, hello at supermegacorp.net. Um, you've only got a few days to get your suggestions in for the Mendozies. Um, if you have suggestions, not only for categories, but for winners, you know, of Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, yada, 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 we'd love to hear it. That will certainly get um, weighed in on our decisions um, going forward. And uh, with that being said, Nick, I think this is uh, I think this is the end. 
Yep. Um, looking forward to good week of baseball, and we'll uh, see you next week. Yay, playoffs! Okay, bye.